Thank you for tuning in. It's time for this week's episode of History's Hook with your host, Tom Price. Take it away, Tom. Hello, and welcome to History's Hook, where I guarantee that we'll get you hooked on history. I'm your host, Tom Price. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. We'll explore a new topic every week and bring in experts and eyewitnesses to the events and places we'll be talking about. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. In this episode, History's Hook is working in collaboration with Columbia State Community College as we promote the National Endowment for the Arts Big Read program. The NEA's Big Read is a federal reading program that aims to broaden our understanding of the world, our neighbors, and ourselves through the power of a shared reading experience. Showcasing a diverse range of themes, voices, and perspectives, the NEA Big Read aims to inspire meaningful conversations, artistic responses, and new discoveries and connections in each community that takes part. Columbia State Community College has been awarded a 2021-2022 National Endowment for the Arts Big Read grant. Columbia State is one of many nonprofit organizations across the nation to receive a grant to host the NEA Big Read Project, but Columbia State is the only organization in the state of Tennessee to receive the grant this year. Columbia State Community College will be conducting many reading and learning outreach programs during the year, all centered on the Big Read book that was chosen, Beloved, by Toni Morrison. The book was published in 1987 and was a national bestseller and Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction in 1988. The author won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1993. Joining me to talk about the Big Read and the book, Beloved, are several academic scholars from Columbia State Community College. They are Dr. Victoria Gay, Dean of Humanities and Social Sciences, Latasha Stenson, Associate Professor of English, and my regular co-host and professor of history at Columbia State Community College, Dr. Barry Gidcom. Professors, welcome to History's Hook. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having us. Good morning. Before we get into the book, I would like to spend a minute on the Big Read. Uh, Dr. Gay, can you tell us a little bit about this initiative, its goals, and how it works specifically with Columbia State Community College? So as you mentioned, Tom, uh, the idea behind the Big Read is not so much that uh, people read, but that they – well, let me back up – It's kind of based on the idea that if people are reading the same thing, they will hold cultural events, they'll have dialogue and discussion, they'll have exchange of ideas. Uh, It it will encourage not only reading, but also a common understanding of, of certain concepts and ideas. And Columbia State has participated in the Big Read Project many, many times, but there's been quite an elapse uh, since the last time we participated. Years in the past, we did The Great Gatsby, we did True Grit, we did Edgar Allan Poe, but we decided this year it was a good opportunity. We have a new library director, Ms. Ann Scott. Our library has recently been remodeled, and we want to show it off. We didn't get to show it off during the pandemic. So it was a golden opportunity. Plus, we have lots of community partnerships at Columbia State. Uh, We have partnerships uh, with, of course, this radio station, but with the South Central Tennessee Workforce Alliance, uh, this 
grant opportunity gave us a chance to work with the Murray County Public Library, the Spring Hill Public Library, Marshall County Public Library, the area school systems. Um, this particular book, Beloved, and Miss Stenson is going to tell us all about it in, in just a little while, this particular book gave us the opportunity to further emphasize Columbia State's goal toward uh, increasing access to the college, enhancing diversity at the college. Uh, and as you mentioned, there were many, many of these grants awarded, 61, I think, across the nation, and Tennessee, the only one awarded was for Columbia was to Columbia State and only six of the 61 chose the book Beloved. Hmm. So that was going to be my next question. I think there are about 15 books from which to choose. Um, why Beloved uh, of all of those books? And, and they run the gamut, the, the choice of books uh, in terms of topics and writing styles. Why, how and why was Beloved chosen? And that's a very good question. I think the most popular of the books was The House on Mango Street. I think that was the overall popular choice. We chose Beloved for multiple reasons, the timeliness being the biggest reason, but also here in our nine-county service area in Middle Tennessee, we have have, uh, just a, a a great history uh, of African American workmanship in our antebellum homes. Uh, historical church, church records indicate that the earliest African American residents in Murray County were slaves. Slave labor built the antebellum homes that draw people, draw tourists to this area all the time. There are so many untold and forgotten. African-American stories, slave stories, and African-Americans have contributed immensely to the culture in Middle Tennessee. Uh, of course, the, the political climate uh, is an issue uh, to be considered here and is, is probably part of the rationale that we chose the book. But I... <laughs> I read the book when I was in graduate school working on my master's degree, and it immediately became one of my favorite books of all time, and Toni Morrison became one of my favorite authors. I wanted my coworkers who had not been introduced to Toni Morrison to be introduced. Our library director was very open to the idea. So those are some of the reasons that we chose this book. Well, I, I've just read it uh, myself and really was blown away. Her, her writing style is amazing. And we're, we're going to unpack this book, and I, I want to talk about all of those things uh, as we as we move forward. Um, so Beloved is a book that was written by Toni Morrison, a Nobel Prize-winning author. She was born in Ohio in 1931. She passed away fairly recently in 2019. Beloved was her first real writing success. It's a work of fiction inspired by actual events. Beloved is set around a formerly enslaved family living in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1873. Let's give a synopsis of the book uh, and characters so our listeners can get a sense of the book before we begin to unpack its theme. So um, 
Miss Latasha, if you wouldn't mind, could you please give us a, a synopsis of the book and, and its characters? Okay. Um, to start out with, I want to note that um, Toni Morrison won a put surprise for Beloved. So that's another accolade under her cap of how at the time, especially in 1987 when the book was released, how um, African-American literature was starting to take root into the canon of American literature. At that time, you had writers like Alice Walker, who had been there for a while, and you had writers such as um, Maya Angelou. But here we get this new breath of fresh air who really goes back and look at history. And that's what Beloved starts out with. Um, Toni Morrison says in plenty of her interviews, especially one with Bill Morris, she says uh, she created Beloved because she had heard of a story or read the story of Margaret Garner, who was a slave in Kentucky. And she said as she read the story, she didn't want to finish the story because she wanted to give her book the opportunity to breathe. Well, Margaret Garner's story is basically she was a slave in Kentucky and she wanted freedom. And, and Dr. Gickham is on the line and he can um, explain this even more. So she figured if she could just uh, cross the river into Ohio with her children, she's at freedom. So as um, Morrison says, she's reading this story. She goes in and these beautiful characters are developed. Sethi or Setha, um, the mother is somewhat a prototype of Margaret Garner. She has to make this decision about her children. Um, and so the story centers around Setha, Baby Suggs, which is her mother-in-law, Denver, which is one of her daughters who survives, uh, Beloved. Beloved is this mysterious character that um, enters the novel, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. Um, Paul D., which is a familiar face from old home, um, it also has minor characters like the school teacher, Stamp Paid, Hallie, which is Setha's husband, and then, of course, other minor characters like Lady Jones and Ella, and, of course, a nod with um, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner and um, <clears throat> Amy Denver. Well, what happens with Beloved, it opens up, and we get into a, a setting of Setha and um, Morrison always does this. She uses Setha's subconscious to draw the readers in. And Setha is um, pained a little bit because of where she is in her life. She has to make these decisions. And we are um, introduced to her wanting freedom and being mistreated by the school teacher, which is somewhere similar to uh, Margaret Garner's of slave owners. And so Seth makes the grand ideal, just like in some instances as Margaret, to kill her children instead of having them to experience or go through what um, the pain of slavery. And so the only baby that dies is the two-year-old little girl. And so instead of the school teacher having to deal with the ramifications of it, he just basically uh, chalks it up to Seth's mind is um, psychologically damaged. So he, he, he says, okay, we're not going to really take on this. In the meantime, there's nothing really wrong with Setha. If most mothers understand grieving or people in general grieving, she's going through that period. So as uh, we see her, she's at the cemetery and she wants to pay a little homage to her, her daughter, in my perspective. 
And so she writes beloved on her tombstone. And that's where we start to see the name take shape, take hold. So just as any other character, Seth and her family goes on to start living and and life happens. And so um, Paul D comes back into her life. We really don't see any more of Hallie um, because in a sense he drifts off into madness. But Paul D comes back into her life. And as he comes back into her life, Denver who Setha holds on to dearly because she feels as though she has to uh, hold tightly to her. Um, Denver is living her life, and Denver starts to explore the outside world. Not Sethi's world or Setha's world. She starts to go outside and start to co-mingle with people in the, in the world. And so happens she starts to learn other things, and so now Setha is trying to figure out, what do I do with my life? Where do I go from here? How do I become more important? What what do I do? And so, in a sense, she starts to create her own life. She starts to um, try to figure out, how do I maneuver this thing called freedom, so to speak? So, as they go on, um, we come to find out that this lady appears out of nowhere because a pregnancy is about to take hold. But the lady, when she appears, Setha falls madly obsessed with her and she ends up becoming her beloved. This character is has so many characteristics of what Setha would believe that her daughter would have been like, that she ingratiates all of her being into this woman, into this character. So as this is going on, Paul D, and, and he's there, and he's starting to pay attention to what's going on. And as all of this is, is taking fold, as a reader, you sit back and say, whoa, wait a minute. Is this really a reincarnation? Did the baby actually die? What is really taking root? And what we find out is that um, Paul D. seduces Beloved. And after that, who is the one who is pregnant? Who is the one who was suggested pregnant? And so Setha has to deal with that, too, because she's, what, somewhat connected to Paul D because he's come back at a time that is critical in her life. So they go on, and asphyxiation becomes more and more. Setha loses her job. The pregnancy is totally revealed. And Denver begins to say, hey, what happened to our relationship, Mom? And as they're going on, they everybody in the, in in the community, just about everybody in Seth's house, her other children, we don't hear too much about. They come in and out because remember she has multiple children, but only one dies. So everybody starts to become somewhat concerned, very concerned. So as often. <laughs> exorcism takes place because of course we have nosy neighbors we all know nosy neighbors we have some people who stand and say hey 
Mr. Gickham's car left work. Oh, wow. Dean Kay, she just came into work. You know, the community, the women in the community starts to say, hey, we're going to perform this because there is something absolutely wrong. And so at that point, Sasha takes an ice pick because she has flashbacks to try. And it confirms what the other women believe that, yeah, there is something really wrong with her. The exorcism is something that I have to go back to because it's like a contrast to me in this story because they build a lot of faith up on um, baby subs and how she brings religion into it. But when we at this, not only does Setha at this exorcism and all the commotion that's going on, Setha doesn't understand she's losing everything at that point. I think that becomes one of the most critical turning points because not only does she lose some of her stability that the community saw in her, that's gone. But Paul D leaves at this time and the lady who has claimed herself to be be beloved leaves. All of these things are going on, but the beauty about this novel is Toni Morrison allows for redemption. By the end of the novel, we have Paul D. He returns to take care of Setha because at that point, she is unable to take care of herself psychologically, but also physically, but also financially. So he does that redemptive thing, even though he impregnates the outside, I call her the outside woman or beloved, as we see in Denver, who has basically given most of her life to her mother, is finally somewhat free to go on and live her own life. So I think by the time you go through the entire story, you have these twists and turns of the conscious and the subconscious mingling in with, with a great story of what happens um, or what I usually call the residue of slavery, of how people, um, African-Americans in particular, survive after slavery, the horrific um, experiences. And this is one of those great novels that encapsulate the entire story of how something, um, as Baby Sug says, I think in the novel somewhere, your children are your best thing that you have. Their hands, they're beautiful. All of those things that I'm paraphrasing that sometimes that's the only thing that does become the beloved is what you love the most. And for Sethi or Setha and for Margaret Garner for that case where the um, book originates, they love their children belovedly, if I may coin that term. You may. Ms. Stenson, uh, thank you so much for that. This is a really difficult book to to create a synopsis for, to summarize, because it's very complex. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's it's not just dialogue. There's a lot of subconscious that's going on. There's a supernatural element that's mm-hmm. that's inside the book. And you're getting a sense of a lot of different characters and how they feel and how they interact. And it's what's happening to them now. It's also what's happening to them in their past and how they're having to deal with that. We're going to unpack all of this and talk about themes. We need to take our first break. Uh, Thank you again for doing that. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Beloved. You're listening to History's Hook. 
Don't go away. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, will be right back after this brief commercial break. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. Have you been injured in a car accident? Are you still in pain? Untreated whiplash injuries to the spine may lead to future conditions, such as neck pain, low back pain, and headaches. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating these conditions before they get worse. Our accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, is back. Take it away, Tom. Welcome back to History's Hook. I'm Tom Price. This week, we're talking about the NEA Big Read book, Beloved. We have with us, uh, joining us in the studio, Dr. Victoria Gay from Columbia State Community College. Dr. Barry Gidcombe is with us as well. And then joining us via telephone is Latasha Stenson, a professor of English, also at Columbia State Community College. Dr. Ms. Stenson, you just gave a, a wonderful synopsis of this very complex and interesting and beautiful book, Beloved. Let's talk about some of the themes. I think there are many themes that we can can talk about uh, that that sort of compose this book. What, in your opinion, is the central theme of Beloved? Um, the black experience in America. Mm, I think that's the central theme. And how we, in some ways, um, learned how to love, how to forgive, how to survive. So 
for me, those are three encapsulated in one because that really generally in generalities, I'm, I'm speaking lightly here, that is the black experience. Um, it, it, we have feelings, we have um, emotions, and we have those actions. So again, love, forgiveness, and survival to me. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, one of the things that sort of struck me as well, and, and just so you know my background, I'm the director of the Murray County Archives. So we have um, all, all of the records from Murray County, and including records that pertain to the enslaved in the 19th century. Uh, and we have court records that speak to exactly what this book is dealing with. One of the main events that takes place, one of the critical events that takes place in this book is Setha killing her child and what that means in the book. And now when we come across a, a document, a court document in the archives, of course, it's a murder case, but there's a lot more to that. And I think, I think, uh, Toni Morrison does a really good job at sort of defining really what that means. Is it an act of murder? Is it an act of love? The mother is killing a child. At first blush, that's a horrible thing to think about. But when you consider the life that they're having to lead as an enslaved person, a person that has no rights of their own, and bringing a child into a world that was going to have the same fate, the killing of that child becomes sort of evolves into an act of love. Um, can you speak to that uh, a little bit? I, I'm fascinated oh, well. by the dichotomy of what that means. Okay. Um, as I was saying before we came on air, I really love Tony. I studied Tony. Um, in a couple of her interviews, she actually explained um, that scenario and she said, yes, most will see it as an act of love because she, most slave women or slave men did not want their children to endure the same um, experiences that they had. But it is an act of murder. And the reason why some will see it as an act of murder, because after the act of murder takes place, the original story, um, again, from Margaret Garner's position they were going to charge her, they meaning the slave owners could charge her and ask the courts to charge her, but they were going to try to charge her with, of course, destruction of property. That's not what the supporters of Margaret Garner wanted to happen. They wanted her to be charged with murder because if they could charge her with murder, then the agency of that baby being a human being and not property would have been revealed. So in a sense, most definitely it's about love. But in the context of history, you think about back then, if the baby, if she is charged with murder, then that says no longer three-fifths. This is a person. This slave is not just a slave anymore. She is a person. So if you go back and you have that total conversation, that would have been brilliant for the charge of murder. But, of course, we know that didn't happen. She was charged with destruction of property, in such as Toni Morrison had room to create the characters to give them more humanistic qualities besides the original story. One of the themes that really struck me too uh, was the idea of slavery's destruction of identity. 
We have basically three generations of people in the characters that you find in the book. Baby Suggs, who's sort of the the oldest, the grandmother figure. You have Setha uh, and uh, her husband, who's Baby Suggs' son, uh, Hallie of the next generation. And then you have Denver, who's the grandchild. Three distinct generations. All of them are having to come to terms with how they handle who they are. And slavery is a key part of all of that. They're slaves, or they are former slaves. They're children of slavery. They're victims of slavery. Very rarely do you see, at least in my reading of the book, that you get a sense that they consider themselves free people. They're, they're trying to get free in every sense of that word. They, they manage to do it physically by getting to Cincinnati and trying to create a home but they're still not entirely free. And so this identity, this de- slavery's destruction of identity, I think is, is a key one for me. In order for slavery to exist, it requires a lack of basic human qualities, such as compassion and understanding and love and affection. The characters all struggle with this throughout and try to figure out who they are. And I think, that, as you said in your, in your excellent synopsis, especially with Denver, she's really the only one who sort of breaks free of that at, at the end of the book. She's she's commingling with other people in the community outside of this little world of this this home at 124. Uh, she's she's uh, getting out there and, and interacting with other people. She's trying to figure out, trying to navigate what a career and what a future is going to be like in a manner that none of the other characters are, are able to do, uh, I think, in, in the book. Um, I, I think that's an, a, an amazing example and, and a very deep dive into really some of the, the great tragedies, and there are so many, of what slavery represented in America. I'll address this question to, uh, to Dean Gay and to Professor Stinson. Before Paul D. comes back into Setha's life, and before the mysterious character that becomes the beloved arrives, there is the description in the book of how the home that uh, Baby Suggs and Setha in Denver live in in Cincinnati, the home is being haunted, and it's apparently being haunted by the ghost of the baby beloved that was that was murdered. And then Paul D. shows up, and apparently, as the story goes, the ghost doesn't like Paul D. and disappears and then shows back up later in the form of this beloved character. Uh, what is going on there? Is is the house really haunted, or is it just in the subconscious of, of Setha? I would think details in the novel indicate that we're supposed to believe there's actually a ghost Uh, There are broken mirrors and tiny handprints in a birthday cake. So there is some sort of supernatural presence. Is it truly a ghost? Is it some sort of paranormal manifestation of their grief? I don't know, but it's... uh, if it is, it's uh, it's it's definitely to a supernatural level. That's my thought on it, uh, but I could be wrong. I missed anything. Dinge, you are right. It is a ghost, and um, <clears throat> some of the old, um, I guess we would say folklore, is when a death is um, unresolved. 
the ghost usually comes back until it feels comfortable for its soul to rest. But the reason why <clears throat> when Paul D. comes, the ghost be, begins to behave as such is because, remember, Sethi is um, giving all, Sethi is giving all of her time in, in, a, in entertaining this ghost. And so Paul D. comes in and interrupts that. And so just like any other living being, and think about this ghost, if it's the ghost of the two-year-old baby, it's going to misbehave because of jealousy. And it's going to, um, like like um, you said, Dr. Gickham, it's going to mysteriously just go away and pout and upset. But then um, Morrison does a great job in reincarnating the ghost into an actual human being. So that's why we have that little action there. It, that ghost is saying, you know, it is there, you know, why did you do this to me? Now you did this to me. I'm going to take all of your time. And again, we're in this grieving of Setha. I think all of these center around, um, to a degree, the theme of family in this. I, I think yeah. I think that is the greatest influence on Setha throughout this book is how she's dealing with loss, grieving, violence uh, that comes from slavery and from her own decisions that she makes also uh, as a reaction to being enslaved. But this idea of family, and I've read about this pretty extensively, and especially at the local level, the bonds of family were constantly threatened and destroyed in the time of slavery because of slavery. At once, the most important thing to most people, family, under slavery, it was also dangerous to, to to attempt to hold on to somebody because slavery allowed for the tearing apart of the family unit. Uh, I, I think there, there are several wonderful sentences in here, and, and I'm, I'm horrible at remembering exact phrases, but one of them that struck me is that Setha, Setha's love was too thick, that it was dangerous to love someone too much because of that constant threat of being taken away. And we see it uh, here at a local level where families are split apart. Uh, we'll talk about this. Uh, again, we're going to revisit this book in February and sort of unpack the historical side of this. But it, just a, as kind of a preview, a, a local story of a man named um, um, Edmund, who is a, an, an enslaved man here, Edmund Kelly, who managed to, to get his own slavery. He was a, a, a preacher of note, a gifted preacher, and manages to go to New England but his family is left behind. His wife and his children are here in Columbia, and he starts a letter-writing campaign trying to, to purchase the freedom of his wife and children so that they can join him. That constant threat of, of separation and having the ability to truly love your own children, uh, I, I think, is one of the greatest evils that slavery would bring about, this break apart of the family unit. It's incredibly important to all of us, even even today. It's one of the most basic human things, this idea of compassion and love and affection uh, and, and being able to touch another person who's connected to you. It's not by accident that genealogy, I think, is the second most popular uh, hobby in the world, the study of your own family history. It matters to people. And uh, again, one of the greatest evils of slavery, I think, is this break apart of the bond of the, the family. 
um, I think that's a center, a central point of, of this book, one of the saddest parts of, of this book as well. I have another question I'd like to address to Dean Gay and Professor Stinson. Uh, as complex as this book is, I thought there, there was a real flow to it. But then, right in the middle of the book, there is this story and where Setha is is by herself. She's wandering in the wilderness trying to get across the, the river to freedom, the Ohio River to freedom. She is pregnant with Denver and about to give birth, and this mysterious young white woman shows up and essentially rescues her and helps deliver her baby. Um, what is the significance of this particular character? Um, to me, I'll, I'll jump in right quick, and then Dengue can um, answer. Um, to me, I, I think that gives a, a nod to the abolitionists at the time, and how um, even in some instances they put their life on the line, and they understood the humanity of what a lot of um, slaves endured trying to reach freedom. And I think that just gives a glimpse into how, uh, I think, um, the host said earlier, humanity, that human, and how, how we need each other. So I think she's just given that one glimpse of, of what it looks like, what the abolitionists absolutely had to endure. I think it's also important uh, that this is the character from which Denver gets her name. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, and it was a real tribute for Setha to, to honor this woman by giving her daughter this name. I, I think it's also important to remember that this particular story that, that you mentioned, it, it lets us know how difficult it was for a slave to escape and get to freedom. Uh, Setha had been beaten. She had been raped. She had been beaten. She was pregnant. And it was just incredibly serendipitous that this woman found her and helped her with her escape. And, And this young woman is not your prototypical abolitionist in fact and when i'm reading the book it it seems like she's almost like a a flower child of the 60s or something <laughs> she wants to go to new york or paris and get velvet boston yes, and, i think yes and it, it's just a wonderful character that just appears and then disappears and uh, but leaves a mark in the book um you mentioned how the book flows as well one of the things that really struck me is the style of writing that Toni Morrison employs. It's beautiful and harsh all at the same time. Uh, really incredible. Um, Professor Stenson, you did some work on Toni Morrison, you said, and, and as part mm-hmm. of your master's thesis. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us a little bit about her and her background and, and what her background in writing is, because this is, this is very special writing. This is, this is uh, as, a, as a student of history, I, I read a lot of nonfiction, so this is, this is kind of new for me, but I loved the flow and the language and the words. Tell us a little bit about Toni Morrison and her background. Well, she comes from the Midwest, what we call Ohio area. And um, the reason why I think her, her writing style is so rich is because she was an editor. And if anyone knows about editing, 
you have a grasp or a mastery of all of the rules and you can create your own style as you go along. A lot of times people will say her prose is so difficult to maneuver. I say just take the ride. By her being an editor for so long, um, maybe about 20 or so years, she absolutely understands how the English language works to, um, I guess, it's like the old call and response, how she wants her readers to engage, allow their mind to drift into every sentence, whether it is harsh, because I, I'm teaching the bluest eye right now, another Toni Morrison's novel. And in the bluest eye, I always start out with a quote that she writes about the word love. And I never thought about this before until I started teaching this. And I was like, who would write a sentence that has so many semicolons in it, first of all, so many commas in it, and then at the end you're like, whoa, this is poetry. Yes. So she takes all of that to create Beloved with, but she has been learned all of her life. She, she ends up being an English professor at some of the most prestigious colleges. Um, she graduated from Howard Cornell University. She went to Texas Southern. And by the time she finished her career, she was a professor at Princeton U University. So she in, uh, um, she engages in the art of writing from, say, the time she could probably write up until th the time she passed away. Because I think a few months before she passed away, she released her latest novel. So she has always been in that random house editorial mode, but she could absolutely create prose and poetry and marry them together to create a beautiful novel. We may not know the answer to this question, but do we know how long it took her to write Beloved? Oh, I don't know. That I don't know. It, it is it, complex reading. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's not an easy read. For those of you who are interested in, in jumping into this book, I encourage you to do it. It's it's like you said, uh, just read the sentences and take the ride. Uh, it's it's beautifully written. It's prose and it's poetry. It's both of those things. Absolutely. I but think. what I can say about her um, in the research of her, she never put a time period on or a timetable on when to write or when not to write. So whenever the characters wanted to speak, so to speak, she would get up and write. It took her almost, I think she said, four or five years to write her first novel, The Bluest Eye. So whenever the characters wanted to speak to her and beloved, it wasn't nothing that was rushed. It was the beauty of her and the characters um, in their experience. So I don't know how long it took her to write, but I know she did not rush it. Amazing. She allowed the characters to speak. Well, we need to take our second break. When we come back, we'll continue unpacking the novel, Beloved. You're listening to History's Hook. Don't go away. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, will be right back after this brief commercial break. 
Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. We have advertised with WKRM and WKOM for the past several years and found it to be very successful. I highly recommend advertising with them if you have a local business like ours. We're located at 1608 Hatcher Lane here in Columbia. We're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 and Saturdays from 8 to 2. Stop by Holland's for all your prescription needs where we have fast, friendly, courteous service. We custom fit support hose for you also. Thanks for supporting Holland's and WKRM and WKOM. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Every morning, I park my car across the street from my business, and I can't wait to get in there. That's pretty common for small business owners. We have the added satisfaction, however, of guiding hundreds of families with their retirement, education, savings, and general investments. We're a locally owned business that tries very hard to simplify a complicated world. This is Monty Sneed from Caledonian Financial in Historic downtown columbia securities and investment advisory services offered through nbc securities incorporated member finra and sipc history's hook with your host tom price is back take it away tom welcome back to history's hook today we're talking about the nea big read book beloved by tony morrison I'm joined today on History's Hook by Dr. Victoria Gay of Columbia State Community College, Professor Latasha Stenson of the English Department of Columbia State, and Dr. Barry Gidcombe of the History Department of Columbia State Community College. Toni Morrison's 1987 novel, Beloved, is dedicated to 60 million and more. What is important about this dedication and its connection to it being a Holocaust novel of American literature? So... Tom, um, the 60 million are uh, essentially the 60 million Africans transported across the Atlantic uh, to the Americas to become slaves. Uh, Many of those, as we know, died in the passage. Many jumped off the ships. Many landed safely and became slaves. And survived or didn't the atrocities of slavery. Everyone is familiar with the 
the German Holocaust, the European Holocaust, the killing of the six million Jews, uh, the gypsies, the, the Polish citizens, the handicapped citizens, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, all of those who died in the European Holocaust. But people don't normally go to slavery as a Holocaust, but slavery was America's Holocaust. That is our Holocaust story. What are some other novels that readers should, uh, if they enjoy Beloved, what are some other novels that are out there that might appeal to to readers? Uh, I would say, um, especially to the new generation of Netflixers, Netflix has just released a, a version of Nella Larson's novel Passing. Um, I will also suggest uh, an American favorite, Native Son. Um, yeah, I think any is, of the Richard Wright I'm, No, books. I'm, I'm going to get to Richard Wright. Yeah, Native Son is Richard Wright, but Nella Larson's passing is, uh, I think Netflix just released it a couple of days ago, Dengue. I would recommend Passing. I would, I would recommend um, Native Son by Richard Wright. And I would recommend reading Toni Morrison's first novel, The Bluest Eye, because then you can become, as a reader, engulfed in how she creates all of her characters. And believe it or not, she always uses the subconscious. Hmm. She always allows for um, characters that have not been developed, as she says, that she wants to read about to see how they go through life. But the other thing she often does is she allows for African-Americans to be humanized in a way that to say it's okay as descendants of slaves to have these emotional connections. As um, the host said earlier, to start to create your own identity as Denver does. So if you go back to her first novel, The Bluest Eye, um, I think that would be a recommendation as well. Beloved was adapt, adapted into a film version starring Oprah Winfrey and Danny Glover. I've not seen it. Uh, I don't think it got great ratings. Uh, I would definitely, Wonderful. Wonderful. Is, is it? Okay. <laughs> yes. well, I was going to say I definitely recommend the book, uh, but I, I will watch the film at some point in time. I mean, let me go back to why I say Oprah – we see her as Havo. When she did her research for Beloved, she actually went to uh, North Carolina in the wilderness of former plantations and actually stayed out there for months and months and months to actually create that character. Okay, go ahead. So uh, let's let's talk about that for just a second. So she was going there to get a sense of the place? A sense of identity. Mm-hmm. She said she stripped herself down of all the makeup she actually had on the time period of clothes. She had the, uh, like, um, I think the antebellum recreation. She endured all of that for months and months just so that she could actually create this character or get into this character of Setha. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. These places that still exist, and Murray County has a lot of them. Uh, they have power behind them. Uh, I was just last weekend out at Clifton Place Plantation where there were upwards of 60 enslaved people in the 1840s and 50s who lived and worked on that property. About six of the enslaved cabins still remain there. And I had an opportunity to go out and just sort of be in that space. And 
There, there is absolutely a power there, uh, and you, our listeners have probably felt that too. If you go to a historic site or a, uh, a just a place that has history behind it that you know about, when you're in that space, there's a feeling that you get. And those spaces uh, in which the enslaved lived and worked here in Murray County, uh, they're powerful places. If you ever have an opportunity to go and, and visit visit them, do so. I, I encourage you to do it. I, I can see where she would draw inspiration by by being in those spaces to create a book like Beloved. Why is this book such an important text, especially in this day and time? It was written in 1987. It's a fairly recent novel. What does it mean to us today? Anybody can take can take that. For me... Morrison was probably my introduction to African-American literature. I can't, and the book Beloved was, was that introduction. I can't imagine a better introduction to African-American literature. Uh, it's a story that on one level gives us the horrors of slavery, but if you consider some of the other themes motherhood, loving your children enough that you would kill them rather than allow them to become slaves, Um, grief, families, families being separated, all of those themes, I think, kind of universalize the novel so that even someone who's an old Southern white woman can appreciate it, um, make it an important read. Okay. Um, you're not old, Victoria, <laughs> by no means. Okay. I will say this. Um, for for me, um, Beloved, the text is a work not only about slavery or the slave experience, but it's also a text about the Black experience in America. It is a text that expounds and, exper- and expands on what the black experience was at a particular time in America. Um, what it is like for a black woman, a black man, and children post trauma, and I say that dearly, post traumatic of the experience of slavery, but also the lasting legacy in the inherited pain that most or some black African American families still experience today. I think this book is very timely. Uh, to- to have been chosen is the big read because of the Black Lives Matters movement and things that have been going on in in recent years. We will be continuing our discussion of Beloved in February when we will look at the book through the lens of history and we'll explore its similarities to some of the local events that took place uh, here in Middle Tennessee. Dr. Victoria Gay, Professor Latasha Stenson, and as always, Dr. Barry Gidcombe, thank you all for your insights today and for all you do for this community through education. Thank you for being a part of History's Hook. We will end the show with this quote from Beloved. White people believed that whatever the manners, under every dark skin was a jungle. Swift, unnavigable waters, swinging, screaming baboons, sleeping snakes, red gums ready for their sweet white blood. In a way, he thought, they were right. The more colored people spent their strength trying to convince them how gentle they were, how clever and loving, how human, and more... The more they used themselves up to persuade whites of something Negroes believed could not be questioned, the deeper and more tangled the jungle grew inside. 
but it wasn't the jungle blacks brought with them to this place from the other livable place. It was the jungle white folks planted in them, and it grew. It spread in, through, and after life. It spread until it invaded the whites who had made it, touched them, every one, changed and altered them, made them bloody, silly, worse than even they wanted to be. So scared were they of the jungle they had made. The screaming baboon lived under their own white skin. The red gums were their own. You'll want to read this book. It's incredible. Beloved by Toni Morrison. And as always, thank you to our listeners. You can now hear all of our History's Hook episodes online at WKOMRadio.com, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Join us again next week as we connect the history in your backyard to the world on another edition of History's Hook. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of History's Hook with your host, Tom Price. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Be sure to join us every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM for a journey through time. This is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to 101.7 WKOM FM, Columbia, Tennessee. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. Hello, my name is Zach Maddox. I'm a proud third-generation owner-operator of Columbia Paint and Wall Cover, founded by my grandfather, Ralph Maddox, in 1946. Now I'm honored to continue the legacy as owner-operator today. We offer a variety of paint and wall covering products, but our passion is customer service. We can offer many personalized services and can come out to your house or business if needed. Visit us at our store, downtown Columbia, at 1114 Carmack Boulevard or online at paintcolumbia.com. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment, Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years, and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Hey, Columbia, this is Sabian Beard with the Columbia Noon Rotary Club with some information and an invitation for you. If you don't already know about Rotary, it's an organization over 100 years old that focuses on service in the community, service through vocation, and service to the next generation. Many of our community figureheads participate in the local Rotary Clubs, and we need your help. Our main fundraiser for our service projects is the legendary Pancake Day, held on Saturday, November 11th from 6 to 4. Tickets are $10 for one or $25 for three, and may be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member. Help us continue to serve your community and enjoy a splendid breakfast with your neighbors. See you there. 
Columbia Foodland is a locally owned and operated family grocery store with a full line of dry, dairy, frozen, meat, and produce items. We focus on keeping the freshest hand-cut meat and produce items daily with the most competitive prices in town. We offer weekly ad specials as well as in-store weekly specials throughout the store. Located at 427 West 7th Street in Columbia in the former Harris Foodland location. Columbia Foodland. We are here and ready to serve the wonderful people of Columbia and the surrounding areas. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager at Columbia Ace Hardware. We have changed our store hours to better serve our community. Columbia Ace Hardware is now open from 7 to 7, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 4 on Saturday, and closed on Sunday. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us show you customer service that can only be found at Columbia Ace Hardware. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. This is Coach Trader's Golf from Columbia Central High School Football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. 